everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one half of the show. My name is Jeff. The other half, as always, from the uh, Emerald City, the coffee capital of the United States. It's Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Oh, my goodness. It's good to be back in front of the microphone, talking gibberish again and uh, pretending like I know what I'm talking about. Well, trust me, uh, I get all of the DMs about that. So no, well, people, good, people are picking up on it. I'm not going to lie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're mainly me. And I should really, Fuck. when I edit these episodes, I should really be more careful and edit out whenever I say something stupid. Yeah. No, then the show would be really short. <laughs> really? Wow. Pile on. Uh, I was, I was kind of harsh. I took that personally. Anyway, let's get right into it. Let's get into our BP segment here before we get into the main part of the show. And good news, Mark. One team's fan base has gotten rid of an awful owner. It's not my team, unfortunately, who has the worst owner, but the Orioles have yes, uh, I saw that. been sold, which is an odd time for them to uh, be sold after they just, you know, got a binding contract from the the Maryland Stadium Commission saying, all right, we'll help you out with all these upgrades. And then he's like, Peace out. But yeah, Peter yeah Angelus. I, I, he got a pretty good value for it, though. Oh, yeah. He went from <laughs> millions to billions. So yeah, exactly. These poor owners, good investment. they are just they're cash strapped. Included in the new ownership group, however, is Cal Ripken Jr., which is pretty cool. He's yeah, that's great. Now, part owner, I think a minority, a small minority, but he's along with Grant Hill. Basketball. That, I think he's, that's interesting. Is, is he a Hall of Famer? Grant Hill? Oh, dude, you're asking me a basketball question. Yeah, I know. Well, it's like, I'm not going to know, but he's apparently from Northern Virginia. So I guess that's the link as to why he would be. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe grew up as a big Orioles fan. I don't know, but whatever. You know, if we can usher the worst owners out, let's do it. Let's do Oakland next, please. I'm begging. Yes. This is the dream. The saga of the Jackie Robinson statue in Wichita can we didn't talk about this last week. I think everybody's probably seen it. A statue of Jackie Robinson was stolen, leaving just his shoes. And it was found just a couple of days ago, destroyed in a garbage can. It was burnt. It's ridiculous. An online fundraiser, though, has, re- has raised more than $140,000, which is more than the estimated 75000 needed to create a new one. That's fantastic. Yeah. And apparently the mold, I, I guess the guy that made the mold, you know, the artist that made the statue has passed away, but the mold is still in viable shape so that no they can kidding. make another one. That's great. Now, I'm really hoping that the people that that did this were it was like a Jean Valjean type situation where they needed to steal this to get money to feed their family. Right. Wow. Uh, a nice reference there. Yeah, like that. Not just junkies trying to sell the metal for crack or buy a right. new red hat Which or pay legal fees. Kind of where like I was that. leaning. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, couldn't they have gone after a different statue than Jackie, for goodness sake? Well, and obviously they didn't get anything from it. Right. They found it if destroyed. It was burned. You know, were they trying to melt it with matches? What, what was going on I, there? Let's be honest. Thieves are rarely the smartest people in the room so this is true yeah i i hope they get a new statue I, it sounds like they're gonna do it with the mold but i kind of like what is left of the statue it's just his shoes because you'll never fill his shoes that's a good point so yes. i kind of great make a new one put it somewhere there but i would i think it would be kind of poignant to leave just his shoes remaining no i like your thinking Mark, you, like I, have the best kind of kids, uh, those being dogs. Absolutely. Not sure how we missed this, but in 2021, a former Major League superstar, and I say superstar versus like the Scott Erickson as a Dodgers star that we had last week. Right. right. Legitimate superstar. But this former player loves his dogs, too. In fact, he has several miniature schnauzers. And he has entered them in dog shows, even making it to the Westminster National Dog Show two years ago. That player is the universally well-liked and loved in the clubhouse, all-natural athlete Barry Bonds. Oh, yes. I did not know that. He's a two-sport athlete. 
Yeah, well, he's a big cyclist now, too. He lives here in Marin, which is near us, and he's apparently people see him cycling all day. That's all he does is cycle. But, uh, yeah, so miniature schnauzers, which now I've seen pictures of Barry Bonds recently. He is not the enhanced version that he was when he was playing. He looks like an old man now. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Could you just see him in the enhanced version with miniature schnauzers all around? The <laughs> one that made it to the dog show is named Spike. I appreciate the name. Small dog, big name. I like spiking a drink. Well, that was kind of dark place that you just That's went That's where there. my mind went. My yeah. apologies. All right. What I don't like about this is these dogs don't even live with him. He lives here in Marin in the Bay Area, these dogs live with the breeder on the East Coast somewhere. Cool. So he like shows up and takes him to shows. He's like, that's my dog. Oh, man. So how much? I mean, I guess they're his by ownership. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, they're probably, they're probably very valuable dogs. I'm sure. But they don't seem to really mean that much to him, apparently. You know, with the dog, human bond. Yeah. Bonds. I, I, it's tough to have that good of a bond when you're on different coasts. At least I'm assuming they're well taken care of, so that's good. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they got plenty of uh, the cream in the clear and, and well, cool. Let's anything. Hope that... <laughs> I don't think the Westminster does drug tests. Yeah, that's that frightens me. They might. I don't know. I'll ask my wife. She'll know. So, yeah, there you go. So, Mark, it is the beginning of February. There is already live baseball around the world taking place as we speak. Beautiful thing. Yeah. So, first of all, we were talking about it a little bit before we hit the record button here today. The Caribbean series, or I think since you're a Disney fan, the Caribbean. Is that what we did, Tournament? I still call it Caribbean, but uh, I, I get the whole Caribbean, Caribbean thing. I don't know which is right. I just say whatever comes to my mind at that when I say it, but that is going on in Miami this year, which is cool, but also odd. Usually it's somewhere in the you know Caribbean, but you know, whatever. Nicaragua, I was watching a Nick. I'm sorry, I, there's an old Saturday Night Live skit. Wherever I say Nicaragua, I go, I have to say Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Uh, Nicaragua has a position player with handlebar mustache. Nice. Outfielder. Now those are usually reserved for pitchers, just like sure. the number 18 is in, in Japanese baseball. But he wears number 99 with a handlebar mustache, Juan Diego Montez. So, hmm. of course, I am now marking out for Nicaragua in yeah. the Caribbean series here. Uh, Marvin Bernard is the manager of that squad, by the way. Okay, okay. It's, there's no big names, current players, that are playing thus far. I, and I think usually don't, like, I know Ronald Acuna was playing is somewhere in the Caribbean in the beginning of the series of, of the season and just raking. But don't they usually have like big names show up during the series to kind of be like ringers? I don't I believe so. Yeah. They yeah. bring in a rear or so. Yeah. I don't, I have not seen any on any of these rosters yet, but yeah, it's interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll see. It's fun to look at the coaches though, because those are guys that, you know, we used to watch play are now managing the, so that's kind of fun. That's good baseball, too. Yeah. Yeah. Not that there's anybody in the... It looks like a typical Marlins game in the stands. Maybe as we get further down the road, there'll be more people. But Sure. Uh, also, spring training has already started in Japan. Like, the, the Climax series ended like three days ago, and they're already in spring training. Interesting, because they wear full game day uniforms during spring training. I love it. Like, I just love the for Japanese... Girls. Yeah. So I was watching, they were live streaming some on the internet. So I was watching some infield practice and I I noticed an infielder misplayed a ball. Everybody else was just going to the back of the line. They'd field it, throw it. Nope. He had to go back to the front and they had, they kept hitting him to him until he made the correct play, which again was very Japanese. And why Mm. I watched this for 15 to 20 minutes, uh, baseball, baseball, (laughs) baby. It's tuning into to infield practice. You know, that is that is very uh, two-strike noise-ish. When I was working in Atlanta, I would be there before gates opened. Yeah. So I would just, I'd have hours to kill before before the game started. And I would just sit there and I would just watch infield. And every day, and I loved it. And it, I don't know why everything about baseball is fascinating. And maybe I need some medication for that, but. No, I think that's as it should be. 
I'm excited for baseball and the Mets. Yes, I can't say it is. It is now a Mets season for you. Definitely. Let's see. uh, Trivia. Last week I asked question. What was the uh, first Major League Baseball game where two African-American managers faced each other? Where I'm not asking for a specific date from you, Mark, but roundabouts. Give me a year that you think this Um, happened. Oh, 76. 1989. 89. Wow. That's a long time. And I don't know that it still happens very often. But it was Cito Gaston versus Frank Robinson. So the Blue Jays and the Orioles, June 27th, 1980. Okay. I remember Frank Robinson became a manager in like 74, 75. Yeah. So I that think that was, is a long time. Was that with Cleveland that he first managed? I don't remember. Um, we could look it yes, up. Yes, it was, I believe. He was a player manager. If I remember right. There is something, you know, I, I'm just thinking about making a list of things from the 80s that you don't see anymore. And it wasn't prevalent in the 80s, but, you know, Pete Rose was yeah, a, was a yeah. player manager. There are no more player managers. No, there really aren't. I don't think you'll ever see that again because of contracts and people wanting playing time. and Right. Yeah, I just don't see that. But uh, let's see, uh, one of our usual uh, listeners, Brian Krause, uh, of course, got it right, but he sent in a good trivia question as well. So I'm going to, we're going to use this as the trivia question. So Brian, you cannot answer this one or you can, but you already have, and you're not going to get credit for answering it twice. But uh, this is from Brian. There are two pitchers who gave up a home run to both Henry Aaron and Barry Bonds. Who are they? Ooh, that's good. Now, when he sent me this, I originally read that as Henry Aaron and Bobby Bonds. Okay. And so right. I I went to a little bit different time frame. And it just so happened to be yeah. and I were texting back and forth and that hit I'm like, oh well Nolan Ryan. And that was sure. correct if the answer was if the part of the question was was Bobby Bonds, but this sure. is Barry Bonds. So Gotcha. Just keep that in mind. And uh, that's the first name that popped into my mind, but that not too shocking. Yeah, I know, right? I I was going with generational pitchers, pitchers that had a very long career that spanned, you know, kind of different generations of baseball. I also thought of Jerry Royce, but he did not. I I think he didn't give up a home run to Bobby, give up like doubles or something. But Henry, he had got. Hmm, that's a good question. I like it. Yeah. So think about that. We'll tell you the answer next week. That's going to do it for is this episode's BP segment. We'll let the grounds who come out do their stuff. They're in spring training too, so it might take a little bit longer. But let's get right into the main main topic this week. Mark, I saw something recently on the internet uh, claiming that Larry Bird's wife was hideous. It okay. said hideous. Now, the first question you're probably asking is, why are we talking about Larry Bird and his wife, who may or may not be hideous? Well, Come to find out she is a perfectly normal human being. Not that kind of thing. It seemed kind of odd that this would be clickbait that somebody would use to say like, oh, well, I got to see Larry Bird's wife. She's apparently hideous. In fact, though, the person who was highlighting this didn't even know who Larry Bird was. And we've already mentioned it. You, you, like I, don't like basketball. We just don't care. But that even made me mad that somebody didn't know who Larry Bird was. Yeah, come on. But it did remind me that one of the greatest basketball players and smack talkers ever did something that most non-baseball players couldn't do. He picked up a bat on a dare and looked good. Now, I'm obviously that rules out Michael Jordan, right? We're, this is not a Michael sure. Jordan story because I said looked good. We're going to talk right. about Larry Bird today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Baseball history podcast. So uh, Larry Bird had just led Indiana State to the national championship basketball game where he played magic somebody or other they lost whatever uh but some days after that he was still spending time each afternoon in the trainer's room getting worked on the uh indiana state or the sycamores by the way because i'm going to refer to them as the sycamores anyway and i don't know that i would have remembered that they're the sycamores if you had asked me but the sycamores baseball coach was bob warren and uh he and he and bird knew each other and he thought it'd be fun to tease Bird about still needing treatment, even though they hadn't played a game for a couple of days. Uh, the next day, there's Bird again getting treatments. So Warren again went after him saying, boy, it's easy to play a game with a ball as big as a basketball. Real men play with smaller balls, which I guess would mean that golfers are like the most alpha 
athletes ever. The ultimate real men. Yeah, by that logic. Bird being the smack talker that he was said, sure, I can play baseball. Uh, it just so happened that Indiana State was playing a doubleheader against Kentucky Wesleyan in a week or so. Hey, Larry, do you want to you want to try it and then come out and play? So instead of maybe going to a practice or two and seeing, you know, if he could actually play baseball, no, he just decided to suit up for this doubleheader and go for it. So one thing, one problem. Larry Bird is six foot nine inches. That's only two inches shorter than John Roush, the tallest player to ever appear in the big leagues. So right. they had first problem is finding some pants that would fit. And this is 1979, yeah. like I think. So it's not like Nike or Under Armour or whatever is can turn around and get you these things really quick. No, this is uh, this is a problem. So they eventually found some. Uh, they came down to his knees, which is not, you know, it's where kind of players wear them now, but not at that point. I have to assume, yeah, it's 1979. I have to assume that they did give him some real stirrups, though, because two-in-ones weren't really a thing. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. They also had an issue finding a hat because... Uh, Larry Bird has a Bruce Bochy like dome. It's rather rather big, and he Massive always skull. had that hair too. It's like yeah, that's that's true too. That didn't help. Famously, Bird wore number thirty three during his basketball career, but they gave him probably the number that brings the most expectations on a diamond. They gave him number twenty four. Hmm, that's no pressure. By the way, off topic. But I was reading an interview with Ken Griffey Sr. And he said what I had heard before, but it confirmed that, in fact, Ken Griffey Jr. chose number 24 because of Willie Mays and Ricky Henderson. Oh, nice. So it's always good to get confirmation about that because I, I say it all the time, but I'd, I'd only seen it once. Now I've seen it twice. I'm going to keep on saying Larry Bird was a big deal, right? Even before being drafted, the entire university kind of revolved around him at this point. Bird wanted to do this to help draw a crowd to the baseball team, uh, which was struggling as college baseball teams not in the SEC tend to do. But he also didn't want to do anything that would embarrass the school or himself. So it was announced that he'd be playing this doubleheader and the baseball stadium sold out. So... It did exactly what they were hoping to do. Got a bunch of butts in the seats. So the first game starts and Bird is still in the dugout. The crowd is actually booing the home team because their star basketball player is sitting on the bench. <laughs> so the data from this college game in 1979 is a bit lacking in details, as you can imagine. But at some point in one of these two games, Bird gets in the game. Uh, they stuck him at first base. I'm guessing, assuming anybody that throws one high, maybe he could snag it being six foot nine. I'd Probably, maybe. yeah. Uh, but I can assure you, first base is a very hard position to play. Anything in the dirt is a tough play. And if you can't make those plays, it can get really messy really quickly. I know Absolutely. from experience. Uh, but he was credited with nine putouts while he was in the game. Nice. Uh, no word on, uh, you know, errors or lenient scoring or maybe hits were given or, you know, whatever. He got two at-bats, the first of which he went up there, swung wildly on three pitches and sat down. So Bird had played softball before, I guess, during the summers and so forth. And he went up there trying to swing at a fastball like you would at a softball. Big uppercut, way behind it, looked awful. Yeah. Or, or typical like me, even after I've played for a long time. I, I, I was going to say, you know, kind of the usual, the way that an athlete who is not a baseball player goes and faces an actual baseball player. They look like that. You can, you can fake looking like you know how to shoot a basketball or dribble. You can throw a football, even maybe ice skate, but you can't fake swinging at a fastball or throwing a baseball, you know, from, no. from across yeah. the diamond or the outfield, especially when everybody else on the field knows what they're doing. I mean, you stand out, and that's what he did that first at bat. The crowd, though, gave him a standing ovation for the, for the strikeout, prompting the usual first baseman, Preston Williams, to say, quote, I did that five times last week, and no one ever clapped for me. 
That's great. I feel you, Preston. Uh, to his credit, though, his second at-bat was much better. Comes up, two runners on, and somehow he slapped a single up the middle, scoring both runners and giving the Sycamores the lead, and that was it. That was his entire baseball career. One for two, two RBI, and nine putouts. Not bad. Yeah, it's not bad for somebody that doesn't play baseball and just shows up in an NCAA game and they kind of throw him yeah, into the line. grabs a bat. Yeah. So, That's funny. Uh, there was a scare, though. At one point, there was a foul ball down the first baseline. Larry had been told, just stay on the back. Don't go in foul territory. Let somebody else handle anything. You just worry about stopping anything that comes to first. But Larry, of course, being famously from French Lick, Indiana, had to go for it. I don't know. I just assume if you're from French Lick, Indiana, you're stubborn. I'm sure. Because Gary, Indiana, you're stubborn. For all our Music Man fans out there. But he goes after it. He didn't call for it. The catcher didn't call for it. And they collided and both went down and stayed down for a little bit. So you can imagine the dollar signs kind of floating away from some people in the stands as Larry lays there on the ground. Ooh, yeah. But Larry got up. He was fine. And from what I've been told, went on to a great NBA career. Yeah, I think I've heard that he did all right. Yeah. From what I've been told. Well, if he he can play baseball, I'm going to say he's a pretty good athlete. Yes. The one picture I found of him actually in the game, he's not wearing a first baseman's glove either. He's just wearing an old outfielder glove. This is the only picture, though, and it it did get him a baseball reference page. There's there's nothing on it except for his bio, but he's got a baseball reference page. Well, that's good enough for me. Yeah. I, between this story and the the Grant Hill being part of the Orioles sale, are we becoming a basketball podcast? I think at least today we are. Just today. Well, how about this? So other athletes playing baseball, you know, that are famous for other sports. I found this John L. Sullivan, the Boston strong boy is what he was called. Very antiquated nickname, but the most famous uh, and the last known heavyweight bare knuckle boxing champion. The Boston Strong Boy, and I'm just, just wow that from now on, made $40 a week as a pitcher, supposedly had a pretty good bat, and an emergency catcher for the Cincinnati Red Stockings in the early 1880s. Uh, they apparently offered him a, full co- a full-time contract, which he declined, telling them, I find myself drifting towards pugilism. Which, I mean, <laughs> who hasn't said that? At some point right. in their life. I remember my mom saying that at a couple times growing <laughs> Uh That being said, I also found another article that said he was offered a uh, contract by the Red Sox for $1,500 a year. I feel oh, like wow. it, if I kept digging, I'd probably find out that he also was offered $30 million contract by the D-backs at some point. You know, I'm sure. And, you know, and, and this guy decided, gosh, I'd rather get punched in the face. Yeah. With bare again knuckles. Again. With bare knuckles. Right. There is a John L. Sullivan listed in baseball reference, but it's not him. That John L. Sullivan actually was a member of the 1919 Chicago White Sox, which we know what happened to them. But if he pitched for the the Reds at one point, he should have some stats, but I could not find them. You would think, yeah. Yeah, so a little bit more about John L. Sullivan. In the 1880s, he would fight bare knuckle, or if you weren't tough enough, he could be persuaded to put on some gloves. These fights were scheduled for 80 rounds. People say baseball takes too long. What the heck? Uh, one article I read said he was struggling in one bout until the 44th round when he really turned it around. Wow. He beat another guy when the trainer threw in the towel in the 75th round. Man. Do you wait until the 75th to throw in the towel? Yeah, like you either throw it in early or just let him finish it out. Uh, five more rounds. Uh, dude, though, John L., the Boston strong boy, had an 80-grade mustache, though. Oh, nice. Think of Raleigh Fingers as a bare-knuckle boxer. I could see that. Yeah. I might use him as an example for an extra mustache point in Wax Packs Heroes. But, you know, between... So things we have stoked... Things we have spoken about more than once in this episode that we normally don't is basketball, but also handlebar mustaches not residing on the upper lip of Raleigh Fingers. Ooh, 
Good point. Yes. Odd show today, Mark. Very. And, and we we talked about the two sport Barry Bonds uh, dog oh, shows yeah. and, and baseball too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been kind of a weird show, but yeah. Um, you know, John L. Sullivan and Larry Bird. Uh, what could have been? You know, they could be. They could have been Hall of Fame baseball players. Well, and you know what? It, there's there was another Boston Celtic who played baseball. That'd be Danny Ainge. Oh, well, of course. Yeah, very nice with the Blue Jays. Yes. Yeah. Three years, I think, but he, he did play. He I, was really young. Yeah. No, I, I remember, I can see the the baseball cards in my yeah. in my my head. He wasn't quite as tall as Larry. Yeah, I think also Mark Hendrickson played, well, he played for the Orioles. I know Mark Hendrickson played for a lot. I think he might have played for the, the Blue Jays as well, and he was an NBA player as well, Wazoo grad. Who only oh, okay. played only played baseball his senior year at Washington State, but okay. went on to a much longer major league baseball career than the NBA. But he still played in the NBA for like six or seven years. The guy was a, was it's a great athlete. That's amazing. Yeah, and another one that comes to mind is a, a very odd combination of two sports: Mookie Betts, a bowling. Yeah. Baseball and bowling. Yes. Yeah, I think there's somebody in the NBA. I've been seeing commercials. Uh, I think it's during. Leafs games. I'm watching Toronto stations. And I think somebody on the Raptors is a good bowler too, because they're saying, Oh, you're so and so, the famous bowler, when he's actually, you know, a, a oh, basketball okay. player. So maybe he needs hmm. to be invited. Does I, I think Mookie Betts has an annual bowling tournament, right? I believe so. I yeah. think yeah. Well, maybe he who knows? Maybe this guy's been at, going to that tournament for a decade. I don't know, but CMBA, I don't I don't know that much. So all right, let's now head into the final segment. This could be a coronation today, Mark. Oh boy, here we go. This is something, if you are tuning in for the first time, this is a big show. Big, really, really, really big Greg show. The scoreboard is 19 to 11. Mark is the back-to-back to back. That's the three-time defending Wax Packs hero champion. We can't say Pete. Because it's trademarked. Yeah. Well, you, you so I didn't just say it. I'll beep it out. But now, nobody has ever held this title except for Mark. But today, I am up by by eight wins. It's the first to 20. I can coast if I want for the next six or seven weeks and still, you know, be able to put this away pretty easily. I don't think anyone's ever won nine in a row. So I, I am up against it. Well, I think I've <laughs> lost nine in a row probably. But... Yeah, so let's let's get right into it. It's time for Wax Pack Zero. Wax Pack Hero! Gotta pull the Wax Pack Hero! Stars in his eyes! Wax Pack Hero! On the podcast tonight! All right, if that, this is your first time here, let's go over the rules. We are going to be opening up a couple of Wax baseball cards today we're going to open up some 1988 fleers just for fun as we do that we are going to calculate the total of baseball reference war from each of these cards and we'll add them up at the end whoever has the highest total is going to be deemed the winner of this round but there are a couple of extra things that can happen anything on this player's face on the card that means sunglasses it means science teacher glasses those big things eye black a mustache brady anderson's sideburns anything like that you're gonna get an extra tenth of a point if it's a really good like strong boston strong boy is that that was his name boston strong boy like a mustache you could get a bonus extra tenth of a point as well if they're wearing real stirrups where we can see sanitary socks that's an extra tenth of a point but two and ones that's lazy that's a minus a tenth of a point. If they want any awards in 1988, that means Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, MVP. They were an all-star or won a gold glove. That's a half a point each. If there's a Hall of Famer on the card, even if they're not the focus of the card, that's an extra point. If Ricky Henderson shows up on any card in either pack, I get five points. If Nolan Ryan does, Mark gets five points. Any pop culture references that we can easily find, that is a half a point each, unless you are on. Seinfeld, The Simpsons, or Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I had to think about those for a minute. Those are worth one each because those are those are important shows. 
that have a lot of baseball. Also, if you are in the Mitchell Report or were suspended at any point during your career for doing something stupid, that's a minus half a point. And we are each going to pick a team. And just like Ricky or Nolan Ryan, if my team shows up in either pack, I get a half a point. Mark's team shows up, he gets a half a point. Which team are you going to go with this week? I'm going to go with the Red Sox. The Red out of nowhere. Sox. All right. Well, since the Boston Strong Boy supposedly pitched for the Reds, I'm going to go with the Reds. There we go. And you went with Boston because of Larry Bird, right? Sure. Yeah, there's how it works. All right. I got two packs here, Mark. One in my left hand and one in my right hand. Which one would you like to lose with? You know, I, I, I've had worse luck with the left pack, so I might as well go against the tradition and go with the left pack this time okay. unintentionally. All right, I'm going to have you go first so that I can walk it off uh, and, and really celebrate it. I just want everyone to know well, we never gave up over here. We, you know, I'm still giving 100%. It kind of seems like you did. No, it's just not true. All right, Mark, let's get into it right here. First of all, you are going to start off with a catcher that for some reason I think played on every team in Major League Baseball when I'm doing the Immaculate Grid, it is Tony Pena. Tony, fun to watch, outstanding. I remember him mostly as a, a pirate. Yeah, pirate and the Cardinals, H. Cardinals. He would sit on his butt kind of like Benito Santiago, right? Yes, he, yeah. he, he, had a, he would outstretch his leg and just kind of had a weird catcher stance. Yeah. Let's see, 18 years in the big leagues, seven with the Bucks, four with the Red Sox, three with Cleveland, three with St. Louis, then one for Houston and one with the White Sox. 1988, no awards. He was a five-time All-Star overall. But uh, let's see. Wow, as a catcher, 149 games. Wow. He did play some first base as well. 263 average, 308 on base, 10 home runs, 51 RBI, a 94 OPS plus, and that is good for a 2.4 war. Uh, he does Obviously, have a, his defense came into play there. Yeah, he does have a mustache as well, so that'll be a 2.4. A famous uh, transaction here when he was traded, Tony Pena was traded to the Cardinals for essentially Spanky Lavalier and Andy Van Slyke, which he was not happy about that trade. But Right. Went on to manage. Remember, he managed the Yankees for a mm -hmm. little bit. Let's see. His daughter came in sixth place in the Miss Dominican Republic pageant of 2008. Nice. Congratulations to the Pages. All right. 2.5 to start out with. Next, you've got here with the Boston Red Sox, which is your team that you chose. Yes. So you get a half a point right there. It is Dewey Dwight Evans. I think every time we Dwight Evans comes up, I always mention that he is very underrated. Played had an amazing career. Yeah, twenty years in the big leagues, nineteen of it with the Boston Red Sox. Last year, age thirty nine, nineteen ninety one with the Orioles. Still hit two seventy that year. Nineteen eighty eight, however, let's see two ninety three average, three seventy five on base, twenty one home runs, a hundred and eleven RBI, and a one thirty six. OPS plus. Yeah, those are some some great numbers. 385 career home runs, 1,384 career RBI, 370 on base. Yeah, those are big numbers. That'll be a 3.2 war. Good news for you. Real stirrups. He's got eye black on and he has got a great mustache. I'll give you the mustache bonus on that. Yeah, so, we always had an awesome mustache. Yeah, so that'll be a 3.6 there for for Mr. Evans. A 370 career on base. The guy can play ball. Second most career games as a Boston Red Sox. Only Carl Yastrzemski has more. Of course. He earned the nickname Dewey in 1971 in the minor leagues when his manager... Already called one one guy on the team, Don Newhauser Newey. And another teammate was Louie. So he gave him the Dewey. It fits. Yeah. Oh, Evans appeared in the Farley Brothers film Hall Pass as Maggie's father. 
Oh, wow. So that is definitely a pop culture reference for you right there. Very nice. Next, you've got pitcher for the Montreal Expos, Bob McClure. I'm just going to go ahead and give you the mustache bonus right now for Bob McClure. He's got a broom under his nose right there. Very nice. Bobby Mack is nicknamed 19 years in the big leagues as a left-handed pitcher. Shocking. Yeah, there you go. 10 with the Brewers, 3 with the Angels, Expos, 2 with the Royals and Cards, 1 with the Mets and the Fit. In 1993, as a 41-year-old, 88, he split time between the Expos and the Mets. Overall, went two and three with a 5.4 ERA and a 66 ERA plus, and that is going to equal a WAR of minus 0.4. Oops. So the the that'll the mustache will cut that in. But yes, not a not well, a great time. Not what we were looking for. McClure played for a lot of different teams, too. Also been a, a coach for a lot of teams as well. The Rockies, the Royals, the Red Sox, the Phillies, and the Twins. Nice. All right. So you were at 6.9. Oh, this is a good card. This is one of those great cards. It is with Cleveland. Pitcher Sammy Stewart. Now, this is in spring training. Or no, actually, no. This is in Arlington. Old Arlington Park. Again, my superpower, one of my superpowers here. He is, is during BP, he's got a BP jersey on just to pull over. It's got Chief Wahoo and he's got the Chief Wahoo hat on, which is, it's a great logo. Obviously, it's completely insensitive, but it's a great, it's still a, a great traditional logo. I'm glad they got rid of it though. But he is sitting on the railing and he's winking with one eye. He's got a good mustache too. He's got like this grin he's winking with one eye and he's giving you a thumbs up this is a good card right here i'm just saying this is a good card if he was doing the double finger guns i think that's the only thing that could be better i'm also pretty sure the 88 tops podcast did a as i've already done their episode on sammy stewart i remember listening to it i'm fairly certain so the throwing swamoan swan noan is his nickname I don't know where the swan knowing comes from, but you know what? I bet they told me on that on the podcast. So go Probably check did. that out. Led the league in ERA in 1981. Did you know that? I did not know that. 10 years in the big leagues, eight with Baltimore, one with Boston, one with Cleveland. Uh, unfortunately, though, 1987 was his final year pitching in the big leagues. Well, at least he didn't give me a negative number. Yeah, no, you got points because of the Mustang. There you go, Sammy. So good for you there. Would you call Sammy a crafty righty? I don't think he played long enough to be crafty. Okay. Just curious. Oh, yeah. Now I definitely remember this because it's a very tragic ending for for Sammy. Got addicted to crack. Um, wow. Arrested 26 times between 1989 and 2006. Oh, man. That's uh, awful. Just, yeah, this is a very, very long, long and depressing here. He had some family tragedies as well. Just a whole bunch of stuff. That's too bad. Too bad for Sammy Stewart. All right. Let's try and keep it light here. Next, we go with the Cubs. It is infielder, outfielder, Manny Trejo. Let's see if Manny can bring some levity to it here. 17 <laughs> years in the big league, seven with the Cubs, four with the Phils, two with the Giants and A's. One with Cincinnati, Montreal, and Cleveland. 1988 with the Cubs in 76 games. He hit 250, 283 on base. One home run, 14 RPI, and a 65 OPS plus. And that is good for a war of exactly zero. Once again, you know, if he didn't give me negatives. Nope. That's all, we're, that's all we're pulling for this season. <laughs> nothing on this card is going to help you out. Anything here was part of the trade. He was part of the five for one trade with the Phillies and the and Cleveland. Jay Baller, Julio Franco, Greg Vukovic, and Jerry Willard to Cleveland for Vaughn five for one Hayes. Yes. All right. Nothing much there. All right. Oh, this guy I really liked. He's got a mustache, but uh, frankly, his eyebrows are much thicker than his mustache. It is outfielder for the White Sox, Ivan Calderon. 
I was a big Calderon fan myself. I was expecting you to say Yvonne Bubbling Calderon. Bubbling Calderon. I believe Yvonne Calderon Jr. is a, well, he's apparently not related according to baseball reference. <laughs> okay. Calderon was a Mariner, I believe, to start. You are correct. He was Seattle. Oh, wow. I did not know Calderon died in 2003. Oh, wow. I don't remember that. 41. Let's see. You're you're right, though. 1984 came up with the Mariners. Uh, Ten years in the big league, six with the White Sox, three with the Mariners, two with the Expos, one with the Red Sox. 1988 with the White Sox, 73 games, 212 average, 299 on base, 14 home runs, 35 RBIs, a 101 OPS plus, and a .2 war, plus the mustache will be a point. Well, that's better than my last three guys. He was traded by the White Sox to or, uh, to the White Sox from Seattle for Scott Bradley. Oh, interesting. And then the White Sox flipped him with Barry Jones to the Expos for Tim Raines. Man, keeping up with the depressing note that this show oh, has man. taken was shot multiple times in the head and back at point blank range. Jeez. Could th- wow. The heck is up with this? I and also want to remains unsolved. There's our next podcast. There you go. Uh, what, what is? I swear, there's an Yvonne Calderon Jr. playing baseball, but there's I. I don't see it. There's nothing. I, I must have somehow dreamt about Yvonne Calderon that he had a son playing baseball. I don't know. I guess not. You've been known to do that, man. Dream about Yvonne Calderon. Yes, exactly. All right. So you're at 7.4. You have got three cards left. Next, you have got a third baseman for the Dodgers, Jeff Hamilton. Six years in the big leagues, all of it with the Dodgers. Let's see. 1988, 111 games, 236 average, 268 on base. Yikes. Six home runs, 33 RBI, and a 79 OPS+. plus. Oh, wow. He must have been the defensive replacement because he is a 0.7 war. Oh, wow. So he had a, an on base of 268, but he still had a 0.7 war. By Well, this is the only year in his entire career that was not a negative war. Wow. Interesting. So good for you that you got him in his one good year. Yes. Let's see. Also pitched in the 22 inning game against the Houston Astros. He was credited as, this is in 1989, as the losing pitcher, but he struck out Billy Hatcher and Ken Caminiti before giving up the game-winning hit to Rafael Ramirez. I remember that game. We've talked about this game before. Yeah. Yeah. Seven-hour game. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. You got positive points out of that. All right. Hey, how about that? I think you're going to like this card because there's two guys on it. It is a slugging sophomores card in which you have got Wally Joyner from the California Angels and Corey Snyder from Cleveland. Ooh. So wow. you're going to get both of their their wars. So we're going to do this quick because there's two, two guys here. 1988 for Wally Joyner, 295 average, 356 on base, 13 home runs, 85 RBI, 120 OPS plus. And that is a positive 3.2. Nice. Then we're going to go to Corey Schneider, who you know has got a mustache. You can barely see it, though, because it's blonde. Right. And 1988 for Corey, 272 average, 326 on base, 26 home runs, 75 RBI, a 122 OPS plus. And that is good for a 2.7 plus the plus the mustache. Okay. That'll equal a 14.1. That might that card might have saved you to live, you know, to play another day. Wow, that's impressive. I like to bring up guys that had good arms when we pull their cards. And Corey was well known for uh, having a great throwing arm. All right, well, let's see if he saved you here. Your final card. Well, we're going down south, Atlanta. It's first baseman Gerald Perry. Thirteen years in the big leagues, seven with Atlanta, five with St. Louis, one with Kansas City. Uh, the nephew of Dan Driesen. I did not know that. Now we know. Let's see overall in 1988. Good news for you. All-star year. His, oh, his nice. lone all-star year. 
141 games, hit 300, 338 on base percentage, eight home runs, 74 RBIs, 29 stolen bases, and a 109 OPS plus. And that is good for a war of 0.2. Well, not the strong finish that I was expecting there. No, uh, I guess not. Yeah, but uh, good, good for Gerald Perry anyway. All right, so 14.8, that's that's pretty much double your usual score. So It, it has been for sure. Yeah, so that's that's got to be pretty. Here's my pack. Uh, I got to beat a 14.8 to uh, pop the uh, champagne. I am going to start off strong with the outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles, Jim Dwyer. Jim Washer and Dwyer. Oh, nice. Oh, boy, is this going to be the kind of pack that it is? Nicknamed Pigpen. For Jim Dwyer, I think we've that's talked. That's a cool nickname. Yeah, I think we've talked about him before. I'm not sure. That nickname is very familiar. 18 years, though, in the bigs for Jim Dwyer. Eight with Baltimore, five with the Cardinals, three with Minnesota and Montreal, two with the Red Sox, and one apiece for the Mets and the Giants. 1988, he split time between Baltimore and Minnesota. Uh, overall, a 255 average, a 410 on base percentage. Wow. Two home runs, 18 RBI, and a 111 OPS plus. And overall, that is going to equal a positive 0.3. It so, could have been much worse. Yeah, he was a negative two for Baltimore, 0.2 for Baltimore, but a positive 0.2 for Minnesota. Wow. It, I originally thought he had some science teacher glasses on, but no, he just has huge bags under his eyes. Like, I think he was out late last night before this game. This is taken in Boston. I'm thinking he might have indulged in some nightlife at some point the night prior. <laughs> We're 353 on base. You know, can't really complain. No, dude gets on base. Yeah. Oh, played for the Sun City Rays of the Senior Professional Baseball Association. Nice. Ah, Dwyer was well known throughout his career as a clutch left-handed pinch hitter. Appearing hmm. in 500 games, over 500 games as a pinch hitter. Wow. And he was named, Bill James named him number four in his list of the greatest bench players of all time. Wow. That's impressive. Pretty good. All right. Next, we've got an Astro. This is one of your guys, Glenn all Davis. Right. Nice. Now, I believe Glenn Davis was adopted, No. Or his, I'm not, I'm, no, I think or he, his family did the adopting. I don't. Yeah. Know. One way or the other, we'll get to it because we always are shocked when we read it, like for the 18th time. But the right. big bopper, Glenn Davis, 10 years in the big leagues, seven with Houston, three with Baltimore, 1988 with Houston, 152 games, 271 average, 341 on base, 30 home runs, 99 RBI, a 138 OPS plus, came in eighth in the MVP voting. And that is good for a war of 4.3. Yeah, he had a couple of really solid years for the Astros. He's also got a solid mustache. It's only worth a tenth of a point, but I'll, I'll take that's That's a good 4.4 there. First round draft pick by the, Ori by the Orioles, by the Astros, excuse me, in 1981. And was traded by the Astros to the Orioles for Steve Finley, Pete Harnish, and Kurt Schilling. Yes. That's a lot of names. A lot yes, of good names. I remember that deal. Well, he owns uh, Hilton Garden Inn uh, home and Homewood Suites in Columbus, Georgia, if you're ever in the area. I believe he's like a member of the city council or something, too. Yeah. Uh, also played in Japan, went over and played for the Hanshin Tigers uh, for two seasons, it looks like. And then <laughs> came back, played independent and retired. Holds the record for most home runs in in a career without ever hitting a grand slam with 190. I feel like that wow. might not be the case anymore. I don't know. That's amazing. I'll have to look that up. Oh, how about this? The only run in the 1986 NLCS game between Mike Scott and Dwight Gooden. Solo home run by Glenn Davis in the second inning. Mm -hmm. His yeah. In his first but, ever postseason at bat. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, those those guys battled back in those days, man. Nolan and Scott, Nolan Ryan would get involved. And oh man, those were the days. Danny Darwin later. 
All right, enough Astros talk. Okay, sorry. All right, next up, well, we got a Seattle Mariner. This guy pitched quite a ways, also hit on my mom once. It is Mike Morgan. Let's see, 22 years for a right-handed pitcher. That is a long, long time. Wow, no doubt. Let's see, Cubs, Diamondbacks, Dodgers, Mariners, Cardinals, A's, Reds, Twins, Rangers, Yankees, Orioles, Blue Jays. Oh, I mean, at the time he started, that's half the league. Came up with the A's, too. I think I say that every time we, we get him. But 1988 with Baltimore went 1-6. in six. Nice. Ooh. 5.43 ERA, 71 innings, pitched 29 strikeouts, 72 ERA plus. I'm not looking forward to this. That is good for a war of, oh, it's only minus point. That could have been way worse. Could have been much worse. He does have real stirrups on here, too, so that'll be a positive. He's in a Mariner's uniform here. These are my, except for the Trident, these are my favorite Mariner's uniforms. So when they were just blue and gold and had the gold S on the blue helmet, that's... I'm a fan of those those uniforms. First round draft pick by the A's in 1978. He was traded by the Yankees with Fred McGriff to the Blue Jays for Dale wow. Murray. Oh. Jeez. Uh, also wow. traded for Mike Devereaux at one point, Todd Zeal. Nicknamed this is, the Nomad. That makes total sense. That's a great name for him. It really does. This is interesting. He was tied with NHL player Mike Sillinger and Major League pitcher Mike Scrimetta for the most teams played for in any North American professional sport through June 2006 when Scrimetta signed with the Chicago White Sox, his 24th professional team and 13th organization. <laughs> wow. That is outstanding. Also, the last active player to have competed in the 1978 season. And one of the last four to have debuted in the 90s. The other three being Jesse Orozco, Tim Raines, and Ricky Henderson. Wow. Long career. All right. I'm at 4.5. I like this. Well, I'm not sure I'm going to like it that much. I've got a Major League Prospects card with two players on it. But I don't have Wally Joyner and Corey Snyder. Mm. I have... Chris Gwynn and Pete Smith. Pete Smith. Pete That's Smith a had a name for you. I mean, he had a good career, but I don't think he's going to have a great single season here in 1988. Chris Gwynn, of course, brother of Tony, uncle of the other Tony, Jr. 1988, let's see, appeared in 12 games. That's all I got to tell you. War of minus 0.1. It's great. Uh, he's got a mustache, so that'll kind of even that out. And then uh, Pete Smith. Let's see, Pete Smith, 11 years, uh, seven with Atlanta, two with the Padres, and then one with the Mets, Reds, and Orioles. 1988, 7-15 mm. with a 3.69 ERA, 195 innings, 183 hits, 124 strikeouts, 100 ERA+. Plus. And that equals a war of 3.3. Wow. I mean, I, as I was reading his numbers, I'm like, well, those aren't that bad. I mean, the losses. No, it sounds bad at first, but those are pretty decent numbers. Yeah, I mean, a 3.69 ERA, that's about average at that point. It gave up fewer hits than runs, struck out, you know, 125 and was pretty much league average there. So I'll take that. No mustache or anything that's going to help me out there. First round draft pick by the Phillies in 84, traded to Atlanta with Ozzie Virgil for Steve Pedrosian and Milt Thompson. Hmm. Bedrock. All right. Interesting. It's Gwynn, known for his defense, played all three outfield positions in several games at first base, committed only one error in 382 total chances. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. All right. Well, here's going to be a guy that was traded for John Smoltz. I think Smoltz was a rookie. Here with the Tigers, who is who he went to, it's uh, Doyle Alexander. 19 years in the big leagues for Doyle Alexander. Wow. Debuted in 1971. Wow. Baltimore for five, Toronto for four, three in Atlanta, Texas, and the Yankees, Detroit, one apiece for the Giants and the Dodgers. 1988, his second to last, his penultimate season. He's 37 years old and he's an all-star. Maybe, That's impressive. Maybe just because there was nobody else on that team that was. That's possible, yeah. But he went 
14 and 11 with a 4.32 ERA. Two, see, these numbers are the opposite. He had a winning record, 229 innings pitched, 260 hits, 126 strikeouts, and 88 ERA plus. And that will equal a war of only 0.3. He does That's have a, a mustache, though, so that'll be a, a tenth of a point to bring it to 0.4. That, that got you a lot of innings in his career. That's what happens when you when you play for <laughs> 8,000 years. Well, a career record of 194 and 174. Involved in a lot of trades, too. Obviously, the big one being traded to Atlanta for John Smoltz in 87. He was also traded by the Blue Jays to Atlanta for Dwayne Ward in 1986, hmm. who spent a long time with the Blue Jays and was very good. All right. So I have got four cards left here, and I am about six points behind you. So it's doable. Champagne's not being, it's still, they're still sitting in the in the clubhouse. Here, I think this is going to not get me much. I think this is way past his prime. With the Angels here, outfielder Rupert Jones. Speaking of Mariners. Yes. Which I, I don't think we were really speaking of Mariners right at that time, but. Well, uh, we were thinking them at least. Well, 87 was his final year in the big leagues. Let's see, in 88, he was playing in Japan for the Hanshin Tigers. It, everybody goes down and plays in Hanshin, it seems. 52 games in Hanshin, eight home runs. So he, he wasn't there the whole season. In fact, yeah, he came back and played for the Rangers AAA club uh, as well. So uh, let's see, that's going to get me nothing. He does have a mustache, so that'll at least get me a 10th point. Oh, he was traded at one point by the Mariners to the Yankees for Senor Smoke, Juan Berenguer. Oh, nice. Says, according to this, he and Dave Stewart coached the Easton A's, a San Diego-based travel ball team for ages 13 and 14. I'm wondering how, when this was updated last. Yeah, I don't know. Because, yeah, it's coached, not coached. Right. Well, I've got... I do have to email Stu because I did promise him something that he wanted. So, you're your buddy Stu. My buddy Stu, let's see. He hit six home runs in Tiger Stadium on the roof, earning him the nickname Rooftop Rupert. Nice. That's pretty impressive. All right. So, that didn't help me much. Here we go. This isn't going to help me a whole lot either, I don't think. Got a mustache and real stirrups, at least. Pitcher for the Rangers, Greg Harris. Doesn't even have his big glasses on. Like when he pitched for the Red Sox, he had those science teacher glasses, but not here. Let's see. 15 years in the big league, six with the Red Sox, three with the Rangers, then Phillies, Montreal, Cincinnati, Mets, Padres, and Yankees. In 1988 for the Phillies, he went four and six with a 2.36 ERA, made one start, one save. Beyond that, middle relief. 107 innings pitched, 80 hits, 71 strikeouts, and a 152 ERA plus. And that is good for a war of 2.6. Wow. Plus the real stirrups and the mustache will be a 2.8. I'll take it. Uh-oh. Yeah. That's that's a pretty big uh-oh for a middle reliever. It's a chunk right there. Middle reliever. I was not expecting that. Once traded for Al, who, me, worry, Newman? Harris was often mentioned as Greg A. Harris to differentiate him from fellow pitcher Greg W. Harris. Right. There were, that's right. There were two Greg Harris's. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't throw both from left or right handed, but teams would not allow this, keeping him from being a legitimate ambidextrous major league pitcher. Wow. That's not very fair. But. Yeah, in September 28th, 1995, his penultimate game with the Montreal Expos, he retired Reggie Sanders pitching right-handed, then switched to his left hand for the next two batters, Hal Morris and Ed Tomancy. He walked nice. Tomancy and then w went back to right-handed to face Brett Boone. Oh, there you go. I don't remember that. I don't That's either. Amazing. I always remember the, the guy from the A's who I can't remember his last name. Pat Venditti, is that it? Yeah, Pat Venditti, yeah. Yeah, all right. 
All right, so I'm at 11.6. You're at 14.8. This one might help me out here. With the with the Giants, he's got eye black, he's got a mustache, he's got real stirrups, and he's got a penitentiary face. It's Jeffrey Leonard. Just don't call him Jeff. That's all I'm saying. It says Jeff here on the card, but I was mm-hmm. I was giving him respect and saying Jeffrey. Pac Man, one flap down. <laughs> Just some great names. <laughs> Uh, 14 years in the big leagues, eight with the Giants, four with the Astros, two with the Mariners, one with the Dodgers and Brewers. 1988, he split time between the Giants and the Brewers. Overall, 242 average, 276 on base, 10 home runs, 64 RBIs, 77 OPS plus. And overall, that is going to equal a minus 1.4. Whoa. Jeez. Jeff. I mean, I'm going to get respect. I'm going to get three tenths back for all the extemporaneous stuff. But come on, man. You were an all star in 1987 and 89. But in 1988, you just laid a brick. Jeez, that hurts. Are we taking away points for the 85 cocaine trafficking? Let's let's see. Was he in the the Pittsburgh drug trials? Yes. Yes. Yep. We got to do it. Because they were they were suspended, yes. So that's a minus half a point. Now <laughs> that hurt. Jeez, Leonard, not doing you well. No, I don't. That's dirty, man. I'm calling him Jeff for now on. <laughs> yes, like that's an insult. Since my yeah. name is Jeff, if we'll call you Jeffrey instead. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. Former, well, not former, but uh, my final card. I'm at 10 even now, so I need a 4.8, which might be a little hard. Here he is with the A's, Storm Davis. Now, he wasn't the guy that was adopted by the <laughs> Glenn I, Davis. I honestly <laughs> thought he was. Let's see. Storm six, I'm sorry, 13 years in the big league, six with Baltimore, four with Oakland, two with the Royals and Tigers, and one with the Padres. Let's see. Won two World Series during his time. One with the A's in 89 and then in 83 with Baltimore. 1988 with Oakland. He went 16 and 7. Led the league in wild pitches. 3.70 ERA. One complete game. 200 innings. 201 innings pitched. 211 hits. 127 strikeouts. A 103 ERA+. plus. What do you think his his war is going to be? Two? Close. 2.8. Oh, so close, man. Yeah. Now, could Storm Davis have some pop culture references that I'm not aware of? I don't know. I I doubt it. But going back to the the Glenn Davis thing, I had it backwards. Storm Davis' parents are the adoptive parents of Glenn Davis. All right. Now now we we know the rest of the story. Well, the, the fact that I have... Two brothers in one pack. Do I get two points even for that or 2.1? Yeah, let me take a look at the uh, the rules. No, you don't. Oh, because that, that would have helped me win by, by a tenth of a point. <laughs> so you, you're saying <laughs> so you'll, give me, you'll give me 1.9. That's right. Absolutely. I think that's what you should get for that. Yeah, there's nothing here. I'm just looking for anything. But no. All right. Can we pull out a squeaker? Yeah, so if we look at the scoreboard now, 19 to 12, maybe I'll just string you along for a little bit here. You're probably resting your starters. Well, I told you Rowdy Telez was pitching today, the whole game. Complete game for Rowdy. Well, shoot. All right, well, we'll get them next week. That's what we're going to say. That'll wrap up this edition of Wax Packs Heroes, also the show. Thank you again very much for tuning in and listening. Tuning in. I don't know what I said there. Tuning. That's a hard word for me to say, apparently, after talking for an hour, tuning in and listening every week. If you want to get a hold of us, we're on the socials uh, at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise. You can find all the links in the show notes. And uh, Mark has got a very special message on how you can help support us uh, via email. Yeah, you support us or yell at us or whatever you want to do. You can reach us at Two Strike Noise. Spell that beautiful word out, TWO Strike Noise at gmail.com. All right, that'll do it for this show. We'll see you next week on another edition of Two Strike Noise. 
Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.